I don't know if you, you know, you, you might be talking, but we ain't hearing you. Your lips were moving, nothing was happening. Yep. Welcome to Mincast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. Needing another holiday? I'm Joe. I'm Tony, and I'm a holiday junkie. Look, no keyboard. I'm Norbert. A longtime Fedora user, Nishant. This is episode 372, recorded on Sunday, the 17th of October. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram or Discord or Facebook or post directly at mintcast.org. First up in the news, we discuss new PinePhone news, KDE, Ubuntu, Ryzen CPUs, and NVIDIA. In security, we discuss Linux patches. And then in our wanderings, we discuss many things. I talk about soldering, Norbert talks about editing, Tony talks about more vacation, and Nishant talks about not getting much done. Okay, for the news, I'm going to hand this over to Nishant. Okay, so the news... PinePhone, uh, they're going to release the PinePhone 64 Pro, uh, which is, they are saying that they have a better processor, uh, more RAM. Yeah, I was looking at this. It actually looks quite good, but it's a developer edition rather than a, you know, fully fledged phone. Yeah, I've discussed this um, on a couple of other podcasts. It's also looked like it's going to have a better screen. And, well, obviously, the more RAM, the more internal storage, uh, two extra cores on the processor. And all around, it should be a little bit better. It's still not like top-tier phone type of thing, but better. And considering the prices they're probably going to sell it at, I would still say it's really good. It's really the software that's the operating system that's going to limit it on whether or not it's going to be usable as a daily driver. So get out there developing, people. I was okay, surprised so by ma- it only having a 720p screen. Well, they call it the PinePhone Pro, but it's really more on par with the, a mid-range Android device. So while the software is not there yet, in my opinion, the hardware also needs to improve. I know this is, I know this is still I- not meant to be a daily driver, but it could be. Yeah, I think that's going to be always be the problem with uh, trying to develop a Linux phone with the, you know, the new trying to get all the requirements that you want of a daily driver. Yeah, con- you're going to considering how easy it is to swap operating systems on it. I mean, as simple as putting in a different micro SD card. I would love to see like Android x86 ported over to this to use on a daily. But why would you use Android x86? I thought it was a ARM processor. Oh, a version of Android that works on this. I would love to see yeah. that and then be able to swap over to uh, an actual full Linux distro when I'm not 
required to have the reliability. Yeah. Okay, so my opinion on this, they could take the basic Android, which already works on ARM64, I think, and then adapt it to the Pine phone. Why would we need Android x86? Okay, Android x86 was a mistake on my part. I just meant having Android, uh, one of the versions of Android ported to it. Uh, they can build it from source code, right? It's already running on various uh, SOCs. Is it running on the Pine phone? Not yet. That's correct. Joe is right. About this one. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to create uh, a version of Android that would work on this particular ARM chip, wouldn't you? Yes, I understood. So basically, it's like pull the hardware firmware thing out from a Pine phone and then make Android adapt, like code it so that it gets it's usable on a Pine phone, from what I understood. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how far they get with this, as usual. <laughs> I put the next one in. Shall I talk about this, KDE? Oh, please do. Yeah, uh... While I was looking at the uh, Pine phone, I noticed that it was KDE's 25th anniversary. Uh, so congratulations to them for celebrating 25 years as one of the main desktop environments. Uh, not just on Linux, it is available on uh, BSD as far as I know. Uh, there is a port for BSD. Um, and in celebration, they've just released uh, KDE 5.23. So, uh, if you're a KDE user, go and take a look at that. Hmm. And then Ubuntu Frame has been released as an IoT system for display and kiosk deployment. This did sound like an interesting operating system. So, essentially, it's Ubuntu, but specifically designed for kiosks or photo frames. Um, don't know how much other news there is with that, but... Um, it should at least increase usage of um, Ubuntu all around. I remember one day going to the KFC and uh, there are the screens that show the number of the orders. <clears throat> this coffee will be edited out, I hope so. And um, and one day, one of the screens, there was an error message that uh, kind of gave it away that the entire UI in the screen was running inside the browser on Debian with probably LXD as the with probably LXD as a desktop environment. So does what, uh, so, <clears throat> sorry. So I assume Ubuntu frame is just regular Ubuntu, but with a uh, specific desktop environment or a specific uh, setup for uh, touch screens or something. From what I read, there is a link in the show notes. Uh, oh. From what I read on the uh, webpage, uh, it's actually been optimized for graphical use um so they've done some tweaks to make it um perfect for uh, display and signage and things like that so if you want more information if you go to that link in the show notes you can find out more about it it, it doesn't seem to say what the stuff it uses it just says uh ubuntu frame is therefore compatible with toolkits such as flutter Qt, gtk actually yeah i think you've got to search further down to get uh the full information. Out of the box, Ubuntu Frame provides developers with all they need to deploy fully interactive applications. Uh, it comes with all the interface applications needed to securely communicate with the host machine without developers needing to deal with specific hardware. So uh, 
yeah, if you're interested in it, I'd go and take a look at the website, the canonical website through that link. Okay, so Indian Institute has predicted that uh, the Linux market share will go up to 19.2% by 2027. It's just a prediction, and I do hope it comes true with the Steam Deck releasing. And it it contains all the major players from the Amazon Web Server Linux to all the way till Canonical Ubuntu. It's a large list. Well, I I love to think that that's going to be true, but uh, I'm not I'm not sure. Nineteen point two percent is a big market share of the desktop. Uh, it it's a combination of desktop and server, as yeah. per the article. Still a massive. Um, I thought they were already better than that in the server world, anyway. Oh, they basically are uh, like the supercomputers are powered by Linux. They slowly need to trickle down to the mainstream servers, like Office servers and all that. That's a big challenge. Like if you remember, once uh, Leo had uh, the Arc Linux server which crashed. Like we had a news on that. So that's what is deterring most of the organization from switching to Linux from Linux servers from Windows servers, I think. Oh well, we'll t- we'll know in another six years. <laughs> <laughs> that's it from this article. Okay, uh, next up, AMD Ryzen CPUs L3 latency performance to fixed to be resolved by Microsoft through Windows. 11 update on 19th October, CPPC driver on 21st. Like I said, uh, last week we reported that AMD Ryzen CPUs were facing performance degradation of up to 15% on the Microsoft Windows 11 operating system. Issues were related to the L3 cache latency and UEFI CPPC2 profiles. So a fix is in that should come out. Well, in two days. Okay, may I comment on this? Oh, please please do. I'm an AMD user, so I can tell, uh, like, I've been using Windows 11 since the beta came out on an AMD hardware. Uh, Not, I haven't faced any issues as such, as they reported. Maybe one of the few machines which are not affected by that. But I haven't faced any such issues which Microsoft is reporting right now. Or users are reporting. You haven't noticed a 15% dip? No. No 15% dip. It's working as normal, except that the CPU usage used to go right up to 100% sometimes. That was the only issue which I was facing on Windows 11. Hmm. Well, it may resolve that then, because if you get if you get in 15% uh, degradation in performance, that might bump up the amount of CPU usage you need to resolve that. Oh, okay. I never uh, knew that the CPU usage can degrade. Like, the use of CPU, it depends on the 15%, like you said, Tony. Well, no, I'm just thinking, to my mind, it might have to bump up the amount of CPU usage to try and kind of counteract the degradation so maybe that's oh, okay. why you're hitting 100 percent occasionally okay oh, uh, that's it from my uh, recent experience with windows 11 do you want to take the amd ryzen 6000 <laughs> processor not uh, nishan yes 
So, um, let me ask you this before I get into the news. Have you ever attached a GPU to an external port? Yeah. Or was it because just because it wasn't supported at that time? No, I've never I've never done that at all. It's not something that's come up in my experience as a computer user. What about you, Norbert? Well, at this moment, at the moment, I'm just really happy to have a functioning video card because uh, I have a GTX. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a GTX uh, 1060, and uh, I've never really considered using a laptop as a desktop with a dock. So. Uh, about two years ago, I built the computer that I have now, and I uh, just kept the video card from my previous computer, so I haven't really considered using an eGPU, because uh, the only the only time I really need a GPU's power is ironically on Windows when I'm doing video editing. So for everything else, um, I can do my laptop on its integrated graphics, and I don't even have an integrated uh, GPU in in the CPU on my desktop, because uh, I was looking for getting a CPU two years ago, and back then I haven't really known about Ryzen, C- Ryzen CPUs actually being good now, or anything. I haven't really been following AMD, so I just got uh, the Intel i5, I think it's 9400K, and the K means that they, they, it doesn't even have an integrated GPU. So No, K actually that, that, means that, that you can a, yeah. unlock it. Okay, so. for me... Uh, oh, okay. So Shall we just say what this story is about? Yes, so this is about uh, like USB 4 support for external GPUs. Like uh, we have hard disk with cases, right? SSDs with cases like Norbert uses. So that way you can get a dock and then attach it simply through a USB 4 interface on the AMD 6000, which they are going to release. So and that says by, via USB 4, so that's going to cut a lot of people out because not many PCs at the moment, older PCs, are going to have USB 4. Yes, that's right. Um, so for people like me who haven't built a PC in a long time, this is a good opportunity because I'm a gamer as well and I like to game and use graphics card on my build system. Uh, I was so excited, I was so excited to finally, no, let me start the sentence again. <laughs> I was so excited to finally get USB 3.1 two years ago when I got my new motherboard. Now you're telling me I have to update to USB 4? <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be what the yeah. AMD Ryzen 6000 processor is yeah. going to be requiring if you want to run an external GPU. <laughs> well, yeah. well, now, well, now that I've bought Ryzen, I don't intend to move away. Wikipedia says USB 4 can do 40 gigabits per second. I'm not even sure I could get use of that even in a gaming scenario. 40 gigabits. That's that's 4.8 gigabytes per second. Cool. (laughs) What I think is is it will improve the graphics processing more. That's what I think it is. Yeah. I'm sorry if I missed part of the conversation there. But haven't... Haven't we already been using USB-C, USB 3.1, USB 3.0, yes, but all that... four graphics cards in the past? Yes, but this is even faster. Ex- external GPUs. Yeah, but this is saying finally support external GPUs. But we've used external GPUs with other methods with oh, this USB yeah, in the it's past. It's specifically AMD, isn't it? Okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, I guess I've never tried it with AMD. And this is new for me also because I've never heard of external GPUs till this point. 
I think uh, yeah. all the GPUs are mounted internally on the desktop computer. Speaking of GPUs, Nvidia just dropped uh, the beta for their 495 series drivers, which uh, I just included because at this point I'm really excited to get any sort of Nvidia news uh, because I use Nvidia and I keep hating the drivers, but not the drivers themselves, but Wayland compatibility because I really like Wayland. And one day I hope I could get to the point when I can use Sway as a window manager on my desktop without any issues, which right now I can't even log into because well, it's the only window manager I ever tried and I want to stick with it. I'm using it on my laptop. So it doesn't look like there's much improvement with Wayland compatibility in this version, but uh, any NVIDIA release is welcome, in my opinion. Its biggest uh, highlight feature is edit support for the GBM API. GBM is a generic is a generic buffer management. It's an API that provides a mechanism for allocating buffers for graphics renderings tied to Mesa. GBM is intended to be used as a native platform for EGL on DRM or OpenWFD. And I just read that sentence from Wikipedia and realized there, have been a, there were a lot of words I don't understand. But it's supposedly good. Well, it says, for example, the Wayland compositor, compositor Western does its required. I can test this. No? I can test this now, but I'm on Ubuntu. Yes, but it's a beta driver. Is there a way to get it on regular Ubuntu? Uh, it's through the repositories, but I don't know which version ah. they are at right now. It'll take some time. This is four days ago, three days ago. Okay, just give me one minute. Let me check. Well, and that's really all I wanted to say. I guess I just got excited because seeing any NVIDIA release gets my hopes up of one day using... Uh, I mean, I've already been surprised by how uh, when I installed Fedora with the net install and then I installed the drivers, it still kept Wayland as the default session, even on proprietary NVIDIA drivers. And now Ubuntu is going to do the same. So I'm really hoping for Sway support. And I guess that's all I wanted to say about this. So that's the news. Okay, now on to the security update. Linux patches rewrite the retpoline rewrite code. Possible performance benefit. The Linux concerted are the Linux kernel was has supported retpolines for over three years now as a part of their Spectre Variant 2 mitigations. While now a patch series is proposed that rewrites retpolines rewrite logic. Does anybody know anything about this? Well, when I when I read the uh, article about this, it seems to be that it was causing performance issues with the old with the old fix for the uh, Spectre code, uh, the Spectre fix. So I think they're talking about totally rewriting the uh, patches so that um, the performance hit that was um, being caused by the patch is uh, is mitigated. So uh, hopefully, if you if you're having to run that patch, um, or everyone I suppose is running that patch because it's in the kernel, it's going to improve performance. Um, down the line. Uh, I don't know whether this uh, is applicable just to servers or whether this is applicable to all machines running Linux. I'm not that technically uh, au fait with this stuff. <laughs> what is rep polling? I haven't got a clue. 
<laughs> Software construct which allow indirect branches to be isolated from speculative execution. So basically, it was fixing a vulnerability in the ker- in the kernel. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay. Next one. USN fifty ninety one dash one introduced a regression in the Linux kernel for Microsoft Azure cloud systems, which can result in boot failure. While the original patch fixed vulnerabilities in kernels intended for MS Azure deployments, the original patch caused instability at boot. Canonical have apologized and released a further patch to fix this issue. Yeah, it basically says what it says on the tin, basically. Uh, well, that basically covered the highlights for it. Yeah. Uh, there's a link, the link in the show notes to uh, the um, Canonical page, I think. So... Yeah. Essentially, a local attacker could possibly use this to, to cause a denial of service crash. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah. So that's been fixed. Well, yeah, it should have been fixed if you've uh, if you're running your updates. You should you should have already had the fix because they've already released it. Okay. Well, that's it for security. Then that was a really quick security. Unless anybody's it got was, anything else it? to add. Yeah, that was fast. <laughs> It's both reassuring and closer. Okay. Having on, a quick security section. Yeah. Yeah, well, there was probably some more things that went on security that uh, we just didn't add. We'll have to bump that up for the next time. On to our bi-weekly wanderings. In my bi-weekly wanderings, I was having a tough week not last week but the week before so um i modified another pair of those in flights the uh delta in flight um, nice wooden ones that i have to take a flush mounted female 3.5 millimeter jack and also because of how well the mmcx mod turned out on the other in flights i decided to do the same to a pair of razor crack and pro v2s which had a bad mic and a bad cable and were basically end of life other than the uh, speakers still being really good the drivers um i stripped out the uh bad mic and the bad cable and put in those uh, mmcx connectors which are about 1.5 millimeters in in width and so the posts on them are really super tiny i thought the three millimeter ones were small these are literally half the size and and getting those soldered on and into place is a delicate operation um, I'm going to go back in and try and remove the cable that goes across the band on those. So just so I can use them for other purposes because they're not hooked up to anything anymore. And the, the cable inside those is actually a really high quality and really useful in other projects. It turned out extremely well and it sounds incredible, but I do think I might want to try to use an EQ just to even out the the mids and the bass and make it sound just that little bit better. Um, I, I also ended up using the new right angle MMCX connectors that I had previously mentioned wanting to try out and uh, put those on a pair of retractable LGs. So now I have five pairs of retractables. The right angle ones were a bit easier to get connected because you can really take the post out and, and, and just isolate on that. And um, 
super easy to get connected, but much more tedious to get glued into place. Um, it, four or five hours worth of drying and adding glue and, and getting it into the proper position just to make sure that there wouldn't be any tension on the wire. Hopefully the connections don't give me any problems for a good long time. Cause that's going to be a full replacement if I have to do it just because of how I glued it. Also, uh, I was in a very, very long meeting and decided to fix a set of uh, mono Bluetooth headphones, just single-sided headphones. Not my normal fix, as this was all structural work, because the band had snapped in a very odd position in what I felt was a fixable way. So um, I glued it into place, and I put in a, a stack of washers, basically a larger washer and a smaller washer on top of that, so that the screws would still fit, and it would actually be seated on plastic that wasn't broken. And, and then um, I built up the missing plastic areas with um, epoxy, and, and then I looked up the price on that headset. Um, the blue parrot B450 XT goes new for like $160, $170 and used for anywhere from 60 to 120. Um, I was a little surprised when I saw the price because I was planning on giving these headphones to my son and I still will. But, um, instead of just, you know, handing them, handing them to him, I think I'm going to give them to him for Christmas. And I'll probably test them out first because I really want to see if they're actually worth that much. And I, I, I've used them once. Uh, I think I, I'm going to have to switch to a, my Windows operating system that I have for gaming just for a little while so that I can update the software in them so that the Android app actually works with it. And I can choose what the uh, blue parrot button does, which is where I'm kind of stuck right this second. Um, but after that, uh, cause there's no actual play pause button on them. They're, they're meant for truckers and they're meant for, uh, calls, but they do that really well. And the mic's really good. So hopefully my son will like it. And then I finally got a hot air gun. It isn't a very good one, but it is doing a, a decent job. I replaced the micro USB charging port on an old asus transformer that i had sitting around for a long time waiting for me to get the stuff to fix this um i was able to use the hot air gun to clean up the board and to sync the new micro usb port into place um since i had already pre-tinned the connection pads they went on as well with zero problem the charger shows it's sitting at about 5.1 volts and 1.3 amps for charging when the system is shut down and about 1.6 amps when it's turned on, which is about where it should be. Um, the, the device does turn on and it works. So that part of my fix is perfectly fine, but it did turn out that the system had some other problems because I had given this to my daughter and I guess she put it through the ringer. The touch screen is extremely intermittent on when it will work. I mean, I'll have to shut it down and bring it back off. On, I did see a small problem with the connector, but it shouldn't have been that big a deal. Um, the detachable keyboard is also a bit iffy, but that's pretty common with the Asus Transformer line, but it can be corrected by disconnecting and reconnecting. Um, I 
previously had <coughs> Linux on this device. It was my daily for a while. But um, I put Windows back on it to give it to my middle child. And I, at this point, I don't know if it's worth the work to get it back into proper working condition to um, fix the touchscreen and get everything else working on it properly and have it running Linux again simply because, you know, I have other tablets now. So I might go back into the never use again pile or parts for other systems pile. Um, I started using those one terabyte external drives that I had picked up for the Pi 4, uh, kind of a, a continuation of our previous Pi discussion. I, I did the multi-boot for it and started up setting up several different operating systems for different types of testing. Um, I did use one of the other drives to hold the operating system the systems that I wanted to add to Barry Boot, including the newest version of RetroPie, which I had converted to SquashFS. Um, sadly, several of the Neo Geo games that I really like to play are not working on it. So I'm looking to see if swapping out the BIOS for Neo Geo will help. Um, I will be doing a bit more testing with other OSs and more with RetroPie and reporting back here on how it goes. I'll eventually port this over to the one-up machine that I have. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you all about that process as I go through it. Um, some of the other operating systems, I did put Manjaro on there. I put Ubuntu. I put, uh, what, the Raspbian OS and, um, what, Libralec, I believe. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know how that goes as I test each one out. Um, Norbert, what have you been up to? I finally finished editing, uh, the video of a friend's wedding that I was asked to film and edit the video for. Uh, I was, it was quite overdue, but I really like editing videos. I'm not as proficient with uh, the technical part of setting up a camera for filming as I would like to be, but I like the editing part. And uh, he and his now wife also really liked the videos. So I was really glad about that. Uh, also, this happened in the past week. My phone just decided to stop working. Well, yes, but no. The screen would just... Whenever I would lock the screen, sometimes it would just not turn on when I would want it to un want to un unlock it. But sometimes it would do after maybe like twenty tries. So I thought it would be a software problem, but it wasn't a software problem. Then I decided to take it apart because I was hoping it would just be that the ribbon cable got uh, loose. But uh, unlike Joe, I don't have a hot air gun, so I decided to get the next be next best thing, and I used the hair dryer. Which worked surprisingly good, but I also didn't have a ply tool, so I used a pizza cutter, which also worked surprisingly well. For I I have used both. Oh, so I wasn't the only one, and uh, so it was a Samsung uh, Galaxy A8 2018. So it's a glass front, glass black, not that black. Let me let me restart the sentence again. Sorry, sorry for this. Uh, whoever 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 is editing, sorry, Bo. And it's a Samsung Galaxy A8 2018, so it's a glass front, glass back. And I realized how I don't like glass back phones at all. I mean, I don't really care about what the back is made of because I would keep it in a case anyway. But uh, taking apart these phones that were glued to glued glued together all the way along the edge, it's just not a very pleasant experience. It was my first time actually taking apart one of these phones. 
that are basically two glass panes glued together with the metal bezel. And it just really made me appreciate uh, what's been going on with the right to repair yeah. stuff. No, I, I, I know a lot of people really like the glass back on the phones, but as far as I'm concerned, it's just another thing that can break. And I really miss having the removable back, the removable battery, and, and the screws in the back so that you can pop the back off and actually see if there's anything there that's messed up. So, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Well, once I managed to get wouldn't the back be, off... It, sorry. I was going to say, wouldn't it be great if uh, there was a phone out there that was e easy to repair? Oh, there is, called the Fairphone 4. <laughs> well, technically, after you get the glass back off, you can replace the battery. Even the battery is glued in place. But uh, the thing about glass breaking, it actually did break for me because I keep my phone in a in a silicone case all the time. But two around two years ago, in the in the fall, maybe for two weeks I was just using it without the case. And in those two weeks I managed to drop it into onto concrete. Or I think it was asphalt. And I managed to crack the back of the phone in multiple places. So you know what this means? I had no chance of taking off the taking off the back of the phone this week without destroying it. So I took the phone apart and I realized it really didn't matter how much I adjusted the connections. It's probably something way deeper into this in the screen. So I assume the screen is dead and I really had to get, uh, really quickly I had to get a new phone, which I was planning to do anyway about six, from, six months from now, because I would have wanted to use the phone for at least three years. And this just got its lifetime short a bit. And I decided to get a second-hand LG G7, which was actually my one of my other plans. If I didn't get the phone I've been using, I would have gotten that. So you can't really get the so you can't really get the LG G7 new anymore, but I managed to get it a second hand very good deal. And one of the great things about the LG G7 is uh, it has a really high quality DA deck inside. So basically it's a digital to analog converter, which uh, is mainly responsible how your music sounds. And uh, so far I've been avoiding phones that have the notch or even a cutout camera on the screen because I don't use the front camera. So I'm not willing to take a comprom Is compromise a word you use in English for something that uh, it's not a perfect solution, but you have to give up something. I'm just asking, yes. uh, don't want this to be included. That is the correct word. Yeah, okay. So because I don't really use the front camera of a phone ever, I'm not really willing to take a compromise of having an ugly cutout or a ugly black spot in the screen when I don't really use the camera itself. But now I realized that the most important thing for me really in a phone is how it sounds because I listen to a lot of music on the go and now even podcasts and audiobooks. So I decided to get the LG G7 and it really actually sounds re incredible. I use the Audio Technica uh, 4EXs headphones and I've been really, I've been happy with them, but this experience using them with this phone just blew any other audio experience I've had, even on a computer out of the water. It's by far the clearest sounding audio experience on a phone. On I, th I think on any device I've ever had. It actually increases the, de the depth of the music. I can hear the different instruments separately more clearly. So it started as a, as a short-term replacement, but I'm really hoping it would be working for many years because I really... I'm not even sure the new LG phones have these high-quality decks. I know the, uh, the G8 does, but not much... 
I have to look into newer ones because I haven't used an LG phone before, but this experience, and also the camera is really good, it made me really appreciate LG phones more, which is a shame because I think they are going to stop producing phones. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I'm not sure about that, but I do know that the uh, the ATH M40Xs are a really good quality set of headphones, and the DAC would definitely help um, with the crispness of the sound. I was going to say, I think the uh, Nexus 4 was an LG phone, and that was a nice, you know, back in the day, that was a nice phone. I've, I've, I've actually used the M50Xs headphones for years before I switched to the M40s because I've heard that they sound better while being cheaper and it actually sort of is the way it is because I've been using them and I actually couldn't go back to the M50s right now because the M40s have, they actually sound more balanced. After listening to the M50s now, they, the M50s sound uh, a little bit high pitched, so the high end, the high sounds are a, bit, a little bit over overdone on it. So if anyone out there wants to get either the M50Xs or the M40Xs, I would suggest to try the M40Xs because they're a lot better deal. I've also been trying to get back into learning Japanese because a few years ago I just decided I would want to learn Japanese because I I like Japanese culture. I also drink, drink a lot of Japanese tea and I've also been watching anime, which is, I know, a pretty cliche reason to try to learn anime because... Well, yeah, a lot of people watch anime would say that they want to learn Japanese, but I actually decided to take the effort. And uh, the main difference between learning Japanese and Chinese, which is similar, but Japanese, of course, the Japanese took the writing system from the Chinese. So you, either way, you would have to learn to recognize 2000 different characters to be able to re- read the newspaper even. But the Japanese have a phonetic alphabet, which is only like 56 characters, I think. And they also have another alphabet for foreign words. But if you learn those 80 or so characters, which are way simpler, way more simple than the, the kanji, those the Chinese characters, you can write down any possible sound or any possible word phonetically in the Japanese language. So it's basically in the Japanese school, children learn to write these phonetic characters in first grade. Then in the following grades, they learn how to write and read the more complicated characters. And I haven't looked into how the Chinese uh, school system works for learning to write and read, but I would imagine it would be a lot harder to for Japanese for Chinese children and even people learning Chinese. So it's it's basically Chinese but easier. It's it's a very gross oversimplification, but uh, I also decided to pay more attention to the way people speak in anime or any other Japanese media I consume, and. Uh, I can sort of get the hang of the the sentence structure. Because when you, let's say you want, you would want to say, hey, you're the guy we met yesterday. Uh, the Japanese sentence structure sounds more like, hey, you're the yesterday, uh, no, you are the, you are the we yesterday met guy. So if the emphasis in the sentence is on the word guy, it would go to the very end of the sentence in, in Japanese. So it's very interesting. And... I'm really still nowhere near able to hold a conversation in Japanese, but I one day I would be like one day I would like to be able to do so, and maybe even get to Japan one day, which I heard is really expensive, but I have to try. Uh, so yes, what else did I have here? 
On the Linux side of things, I managed to break my Debian installation. Uh, when Debian 11 Bullseye moved to stable, I was thinking maybe this would be an opportunity for me to skip it and jump from Debian 10 to Debian 12 because Bookworm moved from unstable to testing. But it, in Neofetch it still showed up as Debian Bookworm slash Sid. So one of my friends who uh, has been using Debian his all of all his life, he never used Windows, uh, said it's it would be a good thing to wait maybe six months before jumping to Debian 12 because when unstable moves to testing, it can be quite unstable yet. But I still decided to do it. And uh, I think two weeks ago, when we did the show, I was on my Debian 12 installation. Then one day I updated the packages and the NVIDIA driver just stopped functioning properly. I couldn't set the resolution to anything above uh, 10, 24 times, uh, what is it? 768. So, and even if I uninstalled the NVIDIA drivers, it wouldn't fix it. So I decided just to go back to Debian 11 stable and wait for the driver issues to be sorted out. So... See, that's what happens when you start going playing with the naughty children, you see? Yes, but isn't <laughs> isn't Debian unstable still supposed to be very stable? Actually, is Debian unstable more stable or is Arch more stable? Because Arch still gets packages faster than Debian unstable. Yeah... I suppose these arguments there are there are a couple of distros that are based on Sid, so you know uh, yes. you've got Sidux and a couple of others. So oh, you know so. some people give it give it a go and it works for them, but there's no guarantees that it won't break your system as you found. Yeah, I wanted to see if I could get an Arch-like experience with fresh packages while still being on Debian, but I guess uh, there's a reason why Stable is called Stable and why. It takes a lot of time <laughs> yeah. to, for, for a release to get there. So um, I still do plan to go back to Debian 12, maybe in a few weeks after they sort it out. But yeah, I started appreciating I, what, think, I started appreciating more yeah. what the stable in Debian stable means. I think when, when it gets to testing in about six months' time, you'll probably find it's a lot more stable because they start... Um, cutting out some of the more dodgy uh, upgrades. Even right now I'm on Debian because each two weeks when I be able to record a show, I overthink maybe I should just try to record a show from my daily driver which is uh, Endeavor OS on my laptop. But for some reason I can't today I tried that I couldn't get Audacity to record with the external USB mic instead of the internal mic. And I, for some reason on Arch or Endeavor, I can't get the global microphone mute hotkey to work because it says it's muted, but it still doesn't do anything. One day uh, I was watching a movie with my friend and I muted myself and he told me at least I could mute myself when I'm eating chips. And I was like, wait, I am muted, but he could still hear me. And it's funny enough on Debian, everything works. I open Audacity, it recognizes my USB mic. I set the global mute hotkey, it works system-wide both Audacity and Discord. So, yeah, one day I would like to be able to record a show not on Debian, but it's tried and true. So I stuck with it for this week too. That rhymed. And I think that's all for me. So, Tony, what have you been up to? Okay, so uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been doing a little bit of uh, my uh, model restorations. 
I've done uh, a couple of customs uh, of Matchbox and stuff like that. Nothing complicated, but uh, it's satisfying bringing 50 to 60-year-old toys back to life after they've been so well played with for so long. Uh, And I actually, uh, this couple of weeks ago, I actually went out for a meal with some friends that I've not seen uh, for over 18 months since the uh, whole COVID thing kicks off. So it was good to see some people I've not seen for a long time uh, face-to-face and we had a really enjoyable evening uh, and a good meal. So that was good. Uh, As you may have inferred from the uh, introductions, I'm on holiday again uh, and I'm using the mobile studio rig, which is my Dell uh, 15-inch laptop, the E6540. Uh, I was having a bit of a panic last night because uh, my little USB sound card has packed in, so I'm not able to use my uh, headset and mic on that. But um, I was thinking I might have to do the whole show with uh, without any headset at all, but I've managed to plug in my uh, earbud headset, so it's not picking the uh, internal mics, not picking up everyone else's uh, conversations, which makes uh, audio editing later a little bit better. But while I've been here, uh, I updated this machine to uh, Mint 20.2. And that, uh, yeah, that went okay. No problems with that. it's a great PC, this. It definitely had the grunt to run uh, Windows 11. Uh, uh, but uh, because of uh, the uh, hardware requirements that window, re- Windows 11 requires um, with the uh, TPM trusted, uh, trusted platform module or something too, uh, it'll never happen unless you go for the... Uh, unsupported uh, Windows hack, but uh, I'll talk about that in a bit more in a in a minute. Um, these particular laptops uh, go currently go for about 225 quid on eBay, so I'm hoping um, that uh, the fact that you can't upgrade them to Windows 11 might make them even cheaper on eBay when, when more people decide that they want the Windows 11 upgrade. Saying that, on one of my other Dell laptops, my little 7440s, the 14-inch ones, uh, I I did a BIOS update just to see if that would give me an update to TPM2, but it doesn't. So, again, uh, even though that's only a seven-year-old laptop, which would be completely able to run Windows 11 hardware-wise, I'm never going to be able to do it without the, uh, the hack. And even though it is a Microsoft published hack, and I've put a link to the sh- in in the show notes to it, uh, there is a caveat that it's not supported, and you may not get important security updates. So it is possible to update to Windows 11 on unsupported hardware, but um, just be aware that if you do that, you're not going to necessarily get all the security updates that you may need. Well, Linux is my friend. I also updated. And sorry, pardon. So sorry, sorry. Go on. Well, Linux is my friend. My, I see Windows as my colleague. So as long as Windows 10 works perfectly, I really don't plan to update to Windows 11 at all. 
Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a laptop that um, runs uh, Windows Ten perfectly okay for the for the uh, one thing that I desperately need it to do, which is run my printer, as I've talked about before. But uh, yeah, I'm not desperate to run Windows Eleven, but. Uh, occasionally I do get asked to uh, help out with other people's uh, computers so it would be nice to be able to run it um, and uh, just familiarise myself with it but uh, maybe I'll have to get something with uh, Windows 11 pre-installed at some future date just so I can familiarise myself with it Um just the last bit of Linux stuff, I updated my install of uh, Endeavor OS on my Toshiba Z30 when we got here. Um, and it had been a couple of months since I'd updated that one. And again, it, flawless, not a problem. So I really like Endeavor OS. Uh, it's but, the best. Uh, yeah. Maybe one day I'll put it on my main desktop PC and see how well it runs on something a bit more powerful. Are you using Mate? Uh, I use Endeavor OS with the Mate desktop, yeah. Endeavor is basically Arch, but you don't have to worry about doing manual maintenance because I, lately I learned that for Arch you are supposed to look for uh, their blog. Uh, so Yeah. Yeah. And you sometimes you have to do yeah. manual intervention before updating. I think we did never you don't have to do any of that stuff. Yeah. No, like I say, I tend to leave it four or five weeks at least in between updates and I've not had an issue with it. The only thing it is telling me that there is a couple of packages that I have installed that are no longer uh, supported uh, in Endeavor. So maybe if I did a clean reinstall that they, that the dependencies on them might be uh, resolved, but they're nothing that I'm particularly worried about. They had a new ISO release in August. <laughs> yeah. So that's me. So what about you, Nissan? Okay, so for the last two weeks, nothing much going on. I was not well since the trip two weeks back. So nothing much except lunch with a friend who visited Delhi after a long time from Bombay. So that's about it. And recently I just upgraded my Windows license to Windows 11 just in case I need to reinstall it back and then move to Fedora. <coughs> Fedora 35 beta. Uh, it's Fedora 35 has been good so far. No complaints. It gives as e- it gives battery life equal to Windows, like seven to eight hours without That's NVIDIA graphics and Wayland. No, I'm I have tested it. It's not bold. It's my experience, which is tough. What hardware are you running it on? AMD Ryzen 5 5500U, 8 GB RAM. And finally, gigabytes. Yes, it's a laptop. What brand is it? Acer Aspire 7 2021 edition. It's not bold. It's not a bold claim, Norbert. It's just an experience with the latest kernel, 5.14.11. Updated to the latest kernel. Can a kernel version actually improve it that much? (laughs) Because so far, I heard about Lenovo laptops uh, working with Linux really well. So I would assume Acer is sort of the same, similar case. Uh, the I think it might has to do with the new AMD patches, maybe like kernel patches, oh. which they put in. But it has been good. But only one bug which I noticed was 
I think I panicked today and then I replaced it by 1221.10 just for the stream. Now I have to go back, either put Fedora back again and then update everything again to get back to that state. Uh, sometimes simple things can be like simple solutions can be in front of you still where you, where you all panic. Did you move from Popo S to I was going to say that's sex. Sorry? Did you move from Pop OS to Fedora full-time? Yeah, because I'm about to do some system administration certifications which require you to run Red Hat uh, Enterprise Linux for learning and virtual labs. So Fedora seemed the best choice at the moment. Mm-hmm. Just to say, Nissan, it is very bad practice to start distro hopping 50 minutes before a show. <laughs> uh, sorry, I get panic at such uh, small problems, even. Not only tech, but in my life also I have panicked many times when I don't have a solution to a problem. Well, I also had to distro hop like 30 minutes ago to get Debian running because I wasn't able to do what I wanted to on Arch. What are we going to do with him? What are we going to do? <laughs> Teach him how to run operating systems off an external hard drive so that they're multi-booting without multi-booting? Yes, I could have done that, <laughs> but there was something... There was There's a reason why I'm not doing that, because I had a perfectly good Debian installation on my external drive, but on the device I'm on right now, it only has one USB uh, slot, and I, I don't have a USB 3 uh uh, hub. I only have USB 2 hub. So I decided to just well, install WR. And the reason why I'm on this particular device is a really good discussion for the next part of the show next week. If if you do decide to use a hub and you use a USB microphone, remember you need an a powered hub or it will not work correctly. It will drop out. That's really good advice. Okay, so adding to this so my future plans are to explore a bit of more of my country in the coming two weeks. I mean, next month, I'll be heading out to the desert for two days, like Western India, the Jaisalmer and Jodhpur and all that. And also, I'll be testing some things on Fedora itself. So right now, one more thing which I did was res- resurrected my old HP laptop for a Fedora server setup test. While you're out in the desert, take some pictures, post them in the Discord or the Telegram or both. I like the desert. Well, aren't you <laughs> in a state? Sorry, uh, no offense here, but are you? Aren't you in a state okay. which is desert? Texas. Uh, there are parts of Texas which are desert. There are parts of Texas which are mountainous. There are parts of Texas that are extra extra swampy, and this part that I'm in right now is really really green. Oh, so you want to see the sands and everything from India? Yeah. Okay, I'll definitely post it yeah, I, I once I'm back. I, I don't think you're quite aware of just how big Texas is and how much um, different the, <laughs> well, nature is from one side of it to the other. I mean, far uh, okay. west Texas is a desert. Far east Texas is a swamp and there's everything in the what? middle. I have heard it's a little just, bigger than most European countries. Yeah. I was going to say, just just for comparison, I think you can fit about four United Kingdoms into Texas. Oh, uh, 
Okay, so are all the Western movies shot in the Western part of Texas? Yeah, or New Mexico, and then they just say it's Texas. Okay. And <laughs> sometimes you just shoot in New Mexico, apply the orange filter, and say it's Mexico. Yeah. Okay, that's great. That's it from me for these two weeks. Uh, hope to get more content in for next two weeks. You should bring one of your laptops so you can get authentic desert sand stuck in. Well, hopefully I... not in the motherboard, but somewhere in the range or something. No, actually, I will take photos and I'll send it how dusty it becomes while traveling itself. So, let's see about that. Hey, I'm looking forward. Okay. Our next episode will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Sunday, the 31st of October. You can get Mintcast converted to your time zone with the link in the show notes. The next live stream will be 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Saturday, the 23rd of October. Sorry, I missed last week. I had a friend show up, so I wasn't able to do the stream. Um, get the live stream converted. To, you can get that live stream converted to your time zone as well using the link in the show notes. Okay. Can I just say for our European friends that UK and I think most of Europe will be moving to winter winter time on uh, Sunday the 31st of October. So the show will probably be an hour earlier for, for them because uh, I don't think you move your clocks until first or second week in November, Something do like you, that. Joe? Yeah. Okay, so that means 11.30 IST in the night for me. Right now it's coming around 12.30 something. If you got to skip well, a week did, or two because it's at a poor time, then yeah, we'll deal with it. No, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with no, it. I'm just saying that only that's only if your clocks move, uh, Nissan. Do they? Do they move on that day? No, they don't move, but we adjust according to whatever UK, US is doing. Yeah, but it... But if your clocks don't move, then the t- t- time will be the same for you. It's just European clock times are moving. Uh, that until weekend. our clocks move. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because my shifts are decided according to whenever your clocks like move. One hour before, one hour later. So yeah. that's why okay. I was telling like it will be 11.30. This is all very weird so, wobbly stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, we are good at adjusting. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm really looking forward to whenever, if it happens, whenever they, we will just stop adjusting our clocks. <laughs> yeah, it would be very, it make the world a lot less confusing yes. a place. Okay, well. Uh, Especially is, in Australia. This has been Joe. If you want to hear uh, more of me, you can catch me on a couple of my other podcasts. I'm on TLLTS.org. That's the Linux Link Tech Show. I'm also on the Linux Lugcast, which you can find at linuxlugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe. You can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org, and that's actually my preference. Or uh, there's a link in the show notes to buy me a coffee, and that's on Kofi. And any proceeds from that is either going to go towards coffee or cryptocurrency or getting me more electronics to play around with. And then there's um, Bo, who didn't, wasn't able to make the show today. You can find him at undercastnetwork.com, or you can search for him on YouTube, his band, um, or the Undercast Collective. 
The band is Echoes of Savages, right? Correct. And you can find me, Tony, at uh, Hacker Public Radio. I'm uh, Hacker Public Radio correspondent ID338. I'm also on Twitter at TonyH1212, TH at Minkcast.org, and DistroHoppersDigest at gmail.com. And then Josh Hawk, who was also not able to make uh, the show this evening or today, he's at uh, Josh on Tech at mintcast.org at josh on tech on twitter and most other social sites um or you can catch him on crowbar kernel panic okay so you can find me on uh, discord uh ghost.recon uh you can find me on steam if you want to play any games uh, maverick 0783 and on telegram it is Master Chief Rico, if you want to just message and discuss about Linux or get invited to our Mintcast Telegram group. And Norbert, how about you? You can catch Norbert at norbert at mintcast.org. And then there's the uh, other, 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 oh, other, I other, to unmute. other Josh. You can catch him, JT at mintcast.org. Josh Thacker on Discord and at Metal underscore Foss on Twitter. And then there's also Leo, who you can find at leochavez.org and at Leo Chavez on Twitter and at Leo at C.im on Mastodon, Linux userspace.show or Terminal Tricks. And he also has a link to buy him a coffee in the show notes. Um, before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for audio editing, although I think Bo will be doing it this next time. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website. Hobstar for our logo. And it RD for the animated Discord logo. And Londoner for our time sync. Uh, Bitemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our backup Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. HPR, who no longer has our backup mumble room, so I think I'm going to pull that from the show notes. Uh, okay, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Thanks Clem. Clem. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of the